All right, praise the Lord. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 1 today. 1 Corinthians 1, get your Bibles ready, get them out, follow along. Maybe we'll cover a bunch of verses. We'll go as far as the Lord leads us. <clears throat> you guys are in the middle of a ritual still. It hasn't stopped, it hasn't changed, they've only added to it. Guys, the whole ritual is leading to everybody being deceived. That's what it's all about. The, the power of the devils, the power of hell, the power of witchcraft, the power of disobedience, the power of ignorance, all that leads to the spirit of Antichrist in your life. And you're following along and you're being deceived. And Jesus warned us, man. He said, I don't want you deceived. I've given you my word that you won't be deceived, but I, Jesus, will turn you over to the deception because you have not had a love for the love of the truth. What do you love today? The truth. That's my answer. I love the truth. I want to know the truth. I don't care how bad it hurts because truth hurts, man, when it comes your way. Amen. Yeah. When it's staring you in the face with a bare knuckled punch, you know, but praise God for it. I want it. I, you give me the truth. You keep your lies. You keep your fallacy. You, you keep your weakness. You keep your uh, jellyfish spine. You keep that and you give me the sturdiness, the solidity of God's word, the foundational word, and the building of the building word. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 3. We're not going to make it that far today, but uh, it's all about being solid. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand in the world. When you're not choosing the scriptures, when you're not choosing Jesus and actively walking in his truth, seeking his truth, desiring his truth, praying for his truth, begging for his truth, you'll be in sand, buddy, and it's quicksand, and you'll be gone quickly. And we pray. We, our whole goal is to come by and pull you up out of that sand and set your feet on a rock. And it's Jesus who does that, but he uses us, his ministers, to get that word to you. That Jesus is coming by. Get ready to get pulled out of that sand. Who wants pulled out of your sand, you know? And yeah, me. I don't want to be anywhere near some sand. And here comes Jesus. Let him pull you out. And he pulls us out of that horrible pit and sets our feet on a rock. Aren't you thankful for Jesus, man? And it's he who does that. And David knew about him a thousand years before he was on the scene. Right? Hey, guys, God uses humble people. He uses nobodies. You got to understand, don't just hear me say that. Hear in your heart, hear me say that. Joseph and Mary were absolutely zeros. They were nobody to anybody. They were nobody to everybody. And even the people in Jerusalem who didn't even know them at the same time were asking, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I mean, why, why the ghetto? Why would God choose something out of the ghetto, man? That's kind of the idea there. Those people up north, they're in Samaria. They're on the wrong side of the tracks. They're up there near Decapolis. They've been Hellenized. Man, there's so much sin and wickedness up there in Samaria. Jesus grew up in, in that area, guys, up northern Israel. And he had to pass through Samaria to get to Jerusalem every three times a year on his way to the temple and back. And six times they had to go through it, minimum. And so Jesus made that trek. We see him first down in Jerusalem. They had to make that trek because of God put it in the heart of Caesar Augustus. That was God's move to say, oh, we're going to tax the world. We're, we need everybody to get to their hometowns. And they ended up, Mary and Joseph ended up in the city of David, their hometown, the house of bread, Bethlehem. And that's where they were. And the prophets years earlier, 700 years earlier, said he would be born in Bethlehem of Ephrathah. They had to get him there. 
They had to get him there. God got him there. God will always work in the hearts of people to get you where you need to be. By God's grace, you are in a Bible-believing congregation right now. It's 10 a.m. Central Time here, a little, little after 10 a.m. I hope there are no bunny rabbits. I hope there's no chocolate being exalted, especially with tons of sugar, wicked sugar. You guys know sugar is a poison, and they know that it's a poison. Refined sugar is a poison, and they know that it's a poison. They know it's going to destroy your body. How about corn syrup? Everybody's exalting death this morning and next week in the name of Jesus and his resurrected life. You're celebrating death, folks. You're celebrating death. You are pagan in practice. Do you guys know that any pagan practice in Christianity negates Christianity and makes it all pagan? Did you know that? That's why the Catholics can open up their Bible and say, open up your Bibles, we're going to read from the Psalms this morning. And they're reading God's holy word, and they got those statues all around them, and they make that which is holy unholy by their unbelief in the holy. They don't believe how holy it is, and they don't understand the, the walk in Jesus Christ and the walk of grace and get rid of all your statues and quit praying to dead folks. They don't understand that, and they do all that. And it's the same way it made its way by beguilement into the conservative church. I'm talking Bible preaching conservative churches, the just shall live by his faith churches without a back end. Man, Vondo and I were listening to a video yesterday. What's his name? Oh, yeah, Alistair Begg. One of the greatest video clips you will ever see. Alistair Begg. He's from Scotland, but he's pastored in, in Cleveland, uh, Ohio for 40 years. This is his 40th year pastoring there. He's funny. He's awesome. He is an orator. And those Scottish preachers are that. They are trained well in speech and how to present. And he's perfect at that, except he's going to hell. You don't find that out till the back end. And he always edifies the Puritans and the Puritan way on the back end. And this video clip was about the thief on the cross. He ends up in heaven and the angel says, why are you here? And he says, I, I don't know. I, let me get my supervisor, says the angel. How do we deal with this? Because it was by faith. It was a great clip. For by grace are you saved through faith. Jesus told me I can be here because I asked him to remember me. And at the back end of that, they always push their Calvinistic, but there will be fruit. There will be evidence. You, you, you know, Jesus must be Lord or you're not saved. That's a lie, 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 lie. Jesus must be your savior or you're not saved. You didn't have to know anything about Jesus. You just needed to know that you were in quicksand dying and a man was coming along and I just warned you about. I'm not capable of pulling you out of that sand trap, but there's one here who's mightier than I. He can pull you out of that sand trap. If you want pulled out of your sand trap, you place your faith in him, believe in him, his death, burial, and resurrection. And Jesus Christ, we preach of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ does the work. He starts the work. He completes the work after continuing the work all the way from start to finish. Aren't you thankful for that? Okay, we're looking at Corinthians today. And, and guys, we're in the middle of that ritual. Tomorrow is the big basketball game for the men. Today's the big basketball game for the women. We've got the eye of the tiger and the Hawkeye playing each other in the first game, the women's game. Totally satanic to the gills. The second game is the men's game tomorrow night. Both teams won by the score of 72. That's nine. And they are seeds four and five. That's nine. You're in the middle of ritual. And both of those teams who won and who will be playing each other 
are the largest seaport submarine bases for the United States of America, U.S. Navy. There's a ritual. You're in the middle of a ritual because we already know we're going to be destroyed by Russia's Navy, China's Navy. The United States of America is we, Babylon, the head of Babylon and Canada. And that's going to happen very, very soon before the summer ends, we really believe. If you hear the talk, you see what happened. Russia refused to sign the armament treaty last month, and they sign it every year, sign it every year. So we will know how many weapons they have and they're producing and their practice launches and their test runs, and they'll know that about us. And Russia said, not this year, pal, a month ago. And North Korea, they have nothing, but they produce, 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 produce weapons. That's what they got going on, man. And they have over a hundred uh, missiles that are, I can't remember if they're hyperspeed or just top speed, you know, high, high speed. Either way, they're, they're pretty powerful. I think they're hyperspeed. And hyperspeed weapons can be to all their enemies in Asia in five minutes. Okay? And they're pretty much not going to blow up all of Asia, just, you know, Taiwan, the westernized ones. And the Philippines are like, okay, yeah, 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 China, hey, we're cool, because that, that's the way the Philippines are. The Philippines are a passive people, and we don't care who rules over us. Just give me my coconuts and my lechon, my pig. If I can have my pork and my coconut, you, I don't care who rules us. If I can have my selfie phone, we'll do that, but we don't care who rules us. And so they're jumping off the USA train and jumping onto the Chinese train. And that's what the whole world's doing, right? And so Obama has led this whole thing all the way to get everybody loving on him. He's been in Australia talking to the prime minister. That prime minister, we learned through this whole C-19 thing, is a devil. He is just as devil as they get. And so they're all on the same team together, working together. And tomorrow night's ritual is a 999 ritual. That's Satan, Satan, Satan. You turn it upside down at 666, man, man, man. And this whole thing is that. And you add some of them numbers, 69, 96. You still get the devil, devil, devil working with man. And that's what this ritual is all about. And these two seaport towns, San Diego, California, the Aztecs. God hates the ways of the Aztecs. Human slaughter, human destruction, worshiping of the devil. The Aztecs worshiped Satan, guys. And then along comes the Catholics who worship Satan in the name of Jesus Christ. Paganism is paganism, and a little bit of paganism crosses out the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the churches today are filled, when Jesus was supposed to be riding in on that donkey, they've got it filled with paganism. They're supposed to be inspecting the perfect lamb, and they don't, can't even inspect their own lives and understand they're in the middle of sin. The next week, they're going to be celebrating what they call Easter. And guys, they're off on their calendar. Everything about them is a lie, and that's what makes the whole ritual work. And they're going to be celebrating corn syrup and sugar and peeps and chocolate bunnies and eggs. And it's all about fertility. And you look at all the religions of the world, Shinto, Japan, everywhere around. It's all fertility, fertility, fertility. Everywhere you look, everywhere there's an obelisk, it's been about fertility. And you see those three pyramids and how they're pointed. You just imagine a long obelisk going all the way through the ground at those points. That's the tip of the obelisks, those pyramids, and power sources, power centers, man. All right, Corinthians 1. Corinthians 1, this is the very fourth book written after Malachi. Okay? You got to know that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did not exist when this was written, when the Corinthians got this book, A.D. 57, 57 A.D., 
first one written were first and second Thessalonians, then Galatians, then this book. And you see how Paul talks to these people. America, you're Corinth. And you're going to have the greater judgment because you had all 66 books. Even Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The red letters, you're in trouble. And we're going to talk about Corinth, America today. We're going to talk about Corinth, Canada. We're going to talk about Corinth, Babylon. Corinth, world. It's all that way. I, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. Now, Sosthenes, dude, he was the guy that took over in the book of Acts. He took over the um, synagogue. When Paul got there, Crispus was in charge of the synagogue, and Crispus got saved, and he quit the synagogue. Then Sosthenes takes over, and the Romans come in and beat him down because of anti-Semitism, and eventually he becomes a believer. So he's the guy writing this book for Paul because Paul couldn't write worth a crud. His eyes were bad. His handwriting was terrible. And because we see in a letter, he says, you see how big of letters I'm writing here. And they're probably all crooked, messed up. He probably couldn't see worth a hoot. So he had other people write for him. And this Sosthenes was our brother who was once in charge of the synagogue. And we know the synagogues are the synagogues of Satan, guys, because they hate Jesus Christ. But when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you come out of that synagogue. And you come into the family of God. Verse 2, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, guys, I want you to understand this. You underline that sanctified. They're sanctified in Christ Jesus, and this was the worst fleshly, satanic, flesh-indulging church ever in the Bible. We know more about this church and these church people than we know about any other church and those, those church people. And what we know about these church people is they were sorry as hell, sorry as the devil themselves but yet they were saved and sanctified. You got to understand that. Just because these people didn't make Jesus Lord of their lives, he was their savior because they believed in his finished work. And that means they drop kicked all their other gods. Corinth, guys, when you think of Corinth, you must think of Southern California back in 1968. Hedonism, partying, hippies, rock and roll, drugs, sex. And then just think of the United States today. They, their influence has made its way to our churches and who we are and what we are. Uh, you people singing vineyard music and Hillsong music, you're of the devil, man. You're worse than Corinth because you ain't saved. You've done chosen a pagan Jesus, a false Jesus, another Jesus, man. And God wants him out of your life, and you need to understand who Jesus Christ of Nazareth is and follow him, be saved by him. You must know that he's the Savior, and he wants to pull you out of your horrible pit today. And he calls it the church of God. It ain't the church of Satan. They act like the church of Satan. They're up in there having uh, incestuous relationships with each other. Man having sex with his dad's wife. Partying. Doing their own thing. Fornicating. That was the way of Southern California back in 68. That's the way of the world, the United States of America now. And we're pushing that on everybody. We're getting it into your homes through your television sets. And everybody loves adultery. Everybody loves fornication. Christians, when I'm saying everybody, I'm talking about the church of God. And these people here didn't even, I'm not even sure they read Thessalonians. I mean, Thessalonians about the coming of the Lord and, you know, da, 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 and Galatians. That's all about grace, free grace, free grace. It's not of works. And so they've got those three books. And now they're like, Paul had to come along and say, but now it's time to make him your Lord. He's your Savior, and we're thankful for that, but you guys are sorry. When Jesus is your Savior, and you're only thankful for his being your Savior, and you don't want to go on and grow on with him in knowledge, more knowledge, greater knowledge, and 
mature as mature Christians in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he then becomes your Lord as becoming your Lord, that's a place of sanctification. That's where God calls us, and he still calls them sanctified because God sanctifies us. And what we do in the meantime, from the time I'm saved, I'm justified until the time I'm glorified, is I walk in that sanctification. I learn of it. I come to understand what that means. And we are sanctified through the word. Remember John 17 and Jesus' prayer? Lord, sanctify them. Sanctify them through your word. And the church is unsanctified today in practice because they won't read the word. Though Jesus Christ, they place their faith in him and they are sanctified forever, set apart for God. They have been made holy, a different people, a peculiar people. They're not walking that out and they're living just as wickedly as Southern California 55 years ago and as wickedly as your neighbor today. And your neighbor sees you living that wickedly today. Fleshly Christians loving everything of this flesh, loving everything of this world. And that's what Corinthians, the church of Corinth, was all about. But they were yet, verse 2, called to be saints. All that in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, our Lord, both their Lord and our Lord. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as uh in salvation. I believe that this Jesus died for me. Boom. And we'll see that Paul calls Jesus Lord 17 times in this passage. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord. He's, it's time to make him your Lord, church. I'm glad he's your Savior. I'm glad you placed your faith in him. But it is time for you pastors to make Jesus Lord finally. You talk about it, but he's not your Lord. You are governed by your own emotions. You're governed by your own lust. You're governed by what you have set the standard at and not the standard of God's holiness, not the standard of his word. And you, like the people of Corinth, you've never made it past the first four books of the New Testament. Most of you are stuck in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which have nothing to do with you. What did we learn a couple weeks ago? The New Testament is not Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John because the New Testament didn't start until the testator died, Amen. which is the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When the testator died, the New Testament was enacted, activated in everybody's life who would believe. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the Old Testament written way after 1 Corinthians. Get your story straight, folks. You better understand what God says, and you got a complete word. And you got the Bible code. The Bible code clarifies everything and points out sin and calls sin sin and names names and names people. You better come to embrace this, guys. Sean Mitchell's mother is a Levite, and his father is a Levite. She's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's a heathen. And they had one son, a child. And in the Bible codes, it's showing that Sean is the called man to write the word of God. The seven thunders is this book. When John was re ready to write the seven thunders, God said, don't do it. I got another fellow that's going to write those thunders. That's what this Bible code is. And for people to poo-poo over it and hate it, they don't understand what's going on. Moses was a nobody. Oh, but he was in the king's palace. He was still a nobody. Nobody knew about him especially when he killed that dude and fled into the wilderness. Nobody really knew about him at that point. And when he was there 40 years, he was unknown. And God goes to unknowns and he calls them by the fiery bush, by the fiery word, by the word of his mouth, which comes from his heart. God never speaks unless it comes from his heart. And he never speaks wickedness because he has no wickedness in his heart. But people do. People are pure, purely wicked, and we'll, in the name of Jesus Christ, form our own lines, our own standards, when we should go to the Word of God and let the holiness of God do that. And as in Exodus chapter 2, when a man of Levi married a woman of Levi and had a little Moses, so that thing has been repeated here at the end times. Do you guys think that 
uh, Moses was a dispensational change. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Massively, was it huge coming out of Egypt? Okay, there's going to be something new here. Okay, that was a dispensational change, and God does the same thing at the same pattern at dispensational changes. Do you think that the Lord Jesus is about to rapture the church and judge the world? That's a dispensational change, and we are there. And God has repeated himself in finding God. Do you guys, are you convinced that God knows the DNA of all men, knows our ancestry, knows who Moses' descendants will be and are? And God is giving, it that, giving us that over and over and over in the Bible codes that Sean's mother is Levite, his father is a Levite, and he is the chosen one to write it a nobody. He has no family. He's sitting alone in an apartment. And nobody knows this guy exists. God knows he exists, and those who will follow and believe know he exists. You better get to knowing what God knows. You better get to receiving what God has received. These Corinth folks wouldn't even receive the Old Testament, the holiness of God in the Old Testament. They wouldn't receive what was taught to them in Thessalonians 1 and 2 and Galatians. And Paul has to come and write his own letter to them. Paul was their pastor for a year and a half. He started the church of Corinth. And after a year and a half, he leaves. They didn't grow one iota. They've been to church. Oh, I was taught by the Apostle Paul. God's chosen to the Gentiles. He's the one who taught me. And then he leaves and Apollos comes in. Remember us talking about Apollos last week? Aren't you thankful that God will save guys named Apollo who had followed Apollo all their lives? And then the gospel will come to him. Apollo is a demon, guys. Apollo is the demon that comes back the destroyer. That's who this guy was named after. And God changed his heart and changed his life in salvation. And he grew and he was good enough. He was raised in Crete. A liar and a slow belly. Lazy, lazy glutton. A liar, lazy glutton is who these people were known to be. God saved him and he was changed. Now he becomes a preacher of the gospel. And Paul says, I need that guy, Titus. You send him up here and you have him preach after me. I need to go on to and start another church. And so Apollos comes up after Paul had been there for a year and a half teaching truths. And these people didn't grow a bit. No, Apollo is there, Apollos. He's there preaching the truth of the gospel. And some people, they're sitting around saying, you know, I really liked it better when Paul was our pastor. Paul was a far better pastor than Apollos. And some people say, no, I like Apollos. I like the way he speaks. I, I like his word. And they were taking ch choices on the preacher and were negating the scripture. And that's what people do behind the pulpit all the time. I just love the way he preaches. Yeah, but is he preaching the truth? Or is he going to go home tonight and do his pay-per-view on WWE. What is he going to do tonight? Does he love wrestling? Your pastor is a fool if your pastor loves wrestling and introduces it to folks. It's a satanic script. You guys know they're going to have hell in a cell tonight. One of the matches and one of the characters is the demon. Oh, all these wonderful pastors are going to go home and pay-per-view that. And then Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, his son is called the American Nightmare. And he's going to be fighting a guy named Rome Reigns. Roman Reigns. United Nation Reigns against the American Nightmare. You're about to go through your nightmare, America. They are projecting their plans to you because they don't want the juju to land on them. They believe in karma and Kabbalah. And so they're going to tell you everything in their script, their satanic script tonight. Hell in a cell and the American nightmare. And these pastors are going to go home and they're going to pay for the pay-per-view and watch it with their children. Corinth 
Yeah, you may be saved, but you're worldly, and Jesus is not your Lord, and don't deceive yourself, fool. Verse 3, uh, but grace be unto you and peace still from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, it's time to make Jesus your Lord. I'm thankful you're saved. You don't have to have him be your Lord to be saved. Corinth is proof of that. But you need him to be your Lord nonetheless because he deserves to be. He is Lord. And why don't you make a decision to say he is my Lord? Verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf. Paul, was, he was their pastor for a year and a half, guys. You could be a pastor of people and they can rebel and they can quit and they can fly off the handle and they can continue in sin, but you still love them. You still pray for them daily. True pastors, true shepherds of God hate it when Satan has come in and has mangled up the sheep. The wolves, they still pray for them. I thank God and I pray for you all the time. Verse 5, that in everything you are enriched by Jesus in all utterance and in all knowledge all understanding of his scriptures, even as the testimony of Christ Jesus was confirmed in you. You guys believed in the death, burial, and resurrection, and you, you confirmed it by the truth. You believe in it. You are people who are saved. Verse 7, so that you come behind in no gift. When God saved you, the Holy Spirit came inside of you, and you guys are filled with gifts. What is very uh, point, pointed about this church? Southern California in the 60s. They were rich, they were vast, they were partying, they had everything, the beaches and everything at their disposal. Everything was there. They were a rich people, they were successful, they were materialistic. And then when Jesus saved them, they uh, started to uh, expose the gifts that the Holy Spirit had given them. And many of them were givers. We know that Corinth was a giving church, though they still didn't make Jesus Lord of their life. They still had the gifts of God in them. They're saved. They're doing some things, but they're not doing all things. And Paul had to write a letter to them. But you guys, you don't lack in any kind of gifts. You don't come behind in gifts. There's nothing lacking waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. People, you know, they believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. They believe in the rapture of Jesus Christ, but they don't want to do nothing in between, you know, sacrifice, sanctify. Here, I'll give you money. You go do it. I got tons of money here. You go do it. And that's become the heart of America. People with money, they just want to give to people who, you know, mission. You guys go do the work. When God's called you to do the work, we're all called to do the work. You better make your calling and your election sure. You better find out what you've been gifted with by the Holy Spirit, what gifts you have, and utilize them to the maximum. Have no gas left in that car when Jesus raptures us. You use it up. You burn it up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Give him everything. And people just sitting around waiting for the blessed assurance of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to do nothing. I'll sit here. I know the Lord's coming, guys. It might not be for 10 or 20 years. You ever heard that stupid pastor say that? It may not be for 20 years from now. So, you know, I'm going to sit on my couch and with my remote tonight and just wait on the Lord to come. But I ain't really excited about him coming. I don't think he's coming in the next 20 years. Hey, guys, Pope Francis is the second beast. The guy's, what, 85, 86, something like that? Lord's coming right away. Lord's coming right away. He's going to rapture us, and then seven years later, he's going to kill that man. Okay? Obama is 61. You don't have too many days left. Chain smoker, God's going to come and kill him. But people just sit around waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ and won't be sanctified and won't make him their Lord in the meantime. Verse 8, who shall also confirm unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that once Jesus makes you blameless, you remain blameless in his eyes? Aren't you thankful for once saved, always saved? Aren't you great thankful that when he saves you, he starts and he'll finish it, and all the way from the start to the end, he sees you as blameless? Who's thankful for that doctrine? 
Verse 9, God is faithful. It's he who's faithful. Whether you're faithful or not, God is faithful. Aren't you thankful he's been faithful to you on your behalf? I look back at my life and see my fleshly choices, my stupid decisions, my pleasure me, pleasure me ideas and game plans. And I'm so thankful that God's been faithful and he remained faithful in the middle of all that. And he had to crack my head and say, boy, why don't you wise up, learn to fear the Lord. And God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son. That is salvation. Salvation, we've been called into the fellowship and now we're supposed to be living in fellowship. Are you living in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and he's your Lord and you're the servant. He's the bridegroom and you're the submissive bride. Is that happening in your active, vated life? Are you walking with Jesus daily by the Savior's side? Are you washing the blood of the Lamb? I'm glad you're washing the blood of the Lamb. If you have believed in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you're washed in the blood of the Lamb, and he sees you as blameless until the end. Aren't you thankful for that? So in the meantime, why don't you quit sinning, quit living lives of sin. When you hear the preacher tell you that what is celebrated as Easter in the church, the westernized church, is satanic to God. He hates the goddess of heaven. That's who you're worshiping, the fertility goddess, Ishtar. God hates it. No, no, it's the resurrection of Jesus. It's Resurrection Sunday. Uh, when you say that, that is a mantra of the devil and witches, witchcraft, because it's Resurrection Sunday to them, the resurrection of all life, the resurrection of flowers, the resurrection of new life, new babies in the womb, both animals and humans. It's the resurrection, and the, the, it was all cold and wintry and dead, and now here's the resurrection. It is Resurrection Sunday to all you Ishtari worshipers. Uh, Jesus rose from the dead on first fruits. First fruits this year is May 21st. You're way too early, folks, and you're worshiping the devil in your little Easter service. I'm going to encourage you, if your church in any way emphasizes a bunny rabbit or eggs for you not to attend church on those days because you will be having your part in paganism. And God remembers well. There's a book written, the book of remembrance, and he's writing it for those who speak often of the Lord, of his name, who think on him, who are talking about him, who are sold out to him. That's where that book is written. Don't have a lot of blank pages in yours. Okay? Don't you dare have any part in this Easter services for today and next week. Don't be pagan. Otherwise, you're pagan. Paganism blocks out true faith in Jesus Christ. And you have become a believer of culture. You have become a believer of what the Catholic Church, the Jesuits, have implanted into your mind and art. Easter eggs and bunnies. Opposing the wonderful love and blessedness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I submit to you that if you celebrate Easter today and next week, Jesus is not your Lord. And Paul is begging for him to be your Lord. That means your master. That means your husband. Wives, we submit to our husband, don't we? Verse 9, Oh, but God's faithful, to whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ. Now I beg you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. Get on the same page, man. Get on the, same, get on the Bible page. Quit having committees about committees, Southern Baptists. Quit deciding whether we're going to get plastic cans, garbage cans, or metal ones. Quit having arguments about what kind of chairs. We're going to get pews or chairs. That stuff has nothing to do with the Bible. You're on the wrong page. Get on the right page of Jesus Christ. Get on the scriptures, man. 
that you will all be speaking the same things and that there will be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined. That means completely joined in what God designed, God's design for his body, his church. Let's get together on the same page, 10 to 20 chapters a day, 10 to 20 chapters a day, 10 to 20 chapters a day. We'll all be on the same page if you're doing that. My buddy, Seth, he just finished Corinthians this morning. He read 1 Corinthians this morning, chapter 1. That's what we're reading. Double witness. God does that. Will you read your Bible and love the double witness that comes your way? We don't want you having divisions, but we want you to be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me. Paul said, people have come down to me in Ephesus. He's writing this from another church in Ephesus that he's preaching at, that he's a part of. And he says, your people, your travelers, because Corinth was a big travel area. Remember, there's uh, like Southern California 55 years ago and like America today, we, business trips. We go from here to Ephesus. We go from the bigger towns to the bigger towns and do business transactions. Well, some of the church members would leave Corinth and head over to Ephesus and tell Paul what was going on and say, man, this church is jacked up, bro. They haven't grown one iota since you left. They didn't grow while you was there. They haven't grown since. And so he says that it's been declared unto me uh, of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe. When she and her business associates come down here and see me, good night. She tells me about all your fightings and your disputations and all the contentions that are among you. Verse 12. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I like Paul better. No, no, no. I like Apollos better. No, I like the way Peter preaches. No, I, I'm only of Christ. I just don't go to church. I sit there and read my Bible, and I hate Paul, Apollos, and Peter. I love Jesus. Hey, how many of y'all agree that Paul, Apollos, and Peter were called apostles of the Lord to preach to the church? And what they were bringing was the Word of God? Okay? You better get yourself under the authority of a godly, godly, godly man, a God-called man, an apostle, and not these imposters. Let me say that again. Apostle, not imposter. Verse 13. So is, you're telling me Christ divided? You like this version? You like this denomination? You like that denomination? You like the way? Nope. Was Paul crucified for you, man? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul Paul's asking this question. I'm the great preacher that started your church? No. I was here declaring my emptiness and the Lord's fullness to all of you. We were pouring out the goodness of God in you, being fulfilled in him, nothing of me. Let's remember, he's reminding them. I never presented myself, and I surely didn't die for you. Now, he did suffer, but he suffered for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14, this is 1 Corinthians 1, 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. And he probably baptized them out of, in the synagogue, out of Judaism into Christianity because Jews required that of themselves. They say, no, I'm looking at all the Jews. I've been a Jew forever. I've been here at the synagogue. I've been a leader at the synagogue. And these people need to know that I am following Jesus Christ. And to a Jew, you jump in the water when that happens. They wash, they had ceremonial washings of everything. Today, water baptism is not a requirement for salvation. Water baptism is for the Jews. You and I are spirit baptized in belief. Our baptize... Our baptism is in belief, full immersion into the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection. And God fills us. And Paul says, I am so thankful I didn't baptize the rest of you folks, man. 
Because you'd have been saying, oh, I'm saved because Paul baptized me. No, you're saved because the Holy Spirit baptized you when you believed. Verse 15. Lest any should say, I had baptized in my own name. Paul baptized me. I was baptized by John MacArthur. John MacArthur is going to hell. You don't want to be baptized by John MacArthur. Okay? Or John Piper or any of those Calvinists. They're going to hell. They're on the wrong foundation. When you read chapter 3 here, you better start on the foundation of the Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they all build their lives, their houses, on the foundation of Jesus Christ of Geneva. And you better get away from that Jesus. You better get away from the Jesus of England, the Arminians and the Wesley boys and all them. Get away from that Jesus and you make your way over to the Nazarene, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And you believe in him and his finished work alone. And what the Bible says about him and gives us the depiction of his character and his ways. And his ways are past finding out. So you'll always be going to the word to walk with the Lord to find out his ways. Verse 16. And I baptize also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I, I don't know who else I baptized there, and I'm glad. For Christ did not send me to baptize, Church of Christ. God did not send me to baptize, Holiness Pentecostals. God did not send me to baptize, Oneness Pentecostals. God did not send me to baptize you that believe in repent of your sins and be baptized. You guys remember what book that was in? That was in Acts chapter 2. And it was to the Jew. It was the apostle of the Jew, Peter, talking to the Jews who rejected and just killed Jesus 50 days earlier. 53 days earlier, they killed him. 50 days earlier, he rose from the dead. And these people still wouldn't believe. And he's looking at a Jew who believes in the baptism of things, the immersion of things, the washing, ceremonial washing of things. And he's telling them, remember, God honored that until A.D. 70, when the temple was destroyed. He gave the Jews a wonderful, in his grace and mercy, gave them a long time of transition. Aren't you thankful for that? And then finally, when that temple was burned to the ground, boom, you better follow Paul, you better follow the Apostle John, you better follow the truth in belief, 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 and finish work of Jesus Christ and quit trusting in your baptism. And it was Paul who baptized, yeah, but I was baptized by Apollos. But I was baptized by Peter, and he was the first baptizer down there in Jerusalem. You better be baptized of the Holy Spirit, guys, through your belief in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Verse 17. We always like the verse 17s, don't we? For Christ did not send me to baptize. Praise God. There's victory in that. Not understanding that you don't have to be baptized to be saved. And baptism is a work. It's an outside work. And if you're trusting in your baptism, you're going straight to hell right now. You better be trusting in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not send me to baptize, but he sent me to preach the good news. And Paul mentions later here, my gospel, and his gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was what he was sent for. He was assigned an apostle, a missionary, on a special mission. That's what apostle means. A missionary spent on a special, or sent on a special mission. He says, I am the apostle of the Gentiles, and God sent me, Jesus Christ himself, after teaching me personally on Mount Sinai. I didn't go to Peter. I didn't go to these other guys. I didn't go to guys who were Jews, fellow Jews like me. I went to the Lord Jesus Christ, who had died and changed the will and testament at that point. And he taught me what that new will and testament was. And that will and testament went from ceremonial everything with no temple 
or, or you know, ceremonial with the temple to that which was not, didn't involve physical things in the temple and ceremonial cleansings. It's now faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I did not come to baptize you with water. I came to preach the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I didn't come preaching with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of an effect. Now, he did that in Athens. He came here from Athens. And down in Athens, they were philosophy and philosophizers and poets. And, and he began to talk to them at their level and found out that that ain't, still ain't going to get him saved. Because unless the, you, you see the light of the gospel, you see the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, you ain't going to be saved. And so he quit doing that. And now he's just preaching the fervent gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. And you better be saved because your short life here will end soon and eternity begins. And you need to be living now for eternity. And the world's not doing it. The church is not doing that. They got pay-per-view tonight and they've got the game tomorrow night and they've got a drawer full of Doritos and sour cream and cream soda ready to party. Verse 17 in the middle, I didn't come preaching with wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. I've come to tell you about a bloody scabbed up corpse who had been sitting in the heat of the sun who people laughed and jeered at and sat in the dark for three and a half hours then when the light came back we heard him in the dark say te telestai it is finished and when the light came back the eclipse was done Nibiru had moved on after three hours God's judgment system and he was pouring out his judgment on his only begotten son Jesus that day my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They tell us that it is finished. And then the sun came back and there we had a dead corpse with nearly all his blood drained out of him. That's our glory. That's our glory. That's our glory. And we remember his death till he comes. His body was busted, broken. His blood poured out. And he said, remember my death till I come. And Paul reminds us here in Corinthians Chapter 11, remember his death till he comes. Remember his death till he comes. Not beauty and ornation and, oh, the pastels of resurrection with the bunny rabbits that are so cute and lively. And the eggs, the chicken eggs. We're going to have new chickens. We're going to have new peeps. And Jesus said, you remember my death till I come. That bloody, scabby body hanging lifeless on a cross, helpless, without the help of Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Those two had to help a dead man off a cross, and that is our Savior, and that's what we glory in. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from that dead, and when he rose from the dead, there were no peeps or chocolate bunnies or eggs to be seen anywhere. Will you please go with the Bible script on this? God requires it, man. You now have revelation, and you have the book of thunder, six of them. And God's going to hold you accountable. Your judgment will be far worse than Sodom. They didn't have the first word of the Bible. And you got it, and you glorify a homo president who legalized sodomy. And now they're legalizing bestiality. Did you see that idiot in the news? Klaus Schwab. We think it's totally unconstitutional for, pe for people to be declined their interest in sexual partners. Oh, church. Verse 18. For the preaching of this cross is to them that are dying in, in their sins, those that love 
their sinful lifestyles. It's foolishness. The cross, speaking of a dead corpse, his death, remember his death till he comes? And you're speaking of the death of Jesus. This is supposed to have been Almighty God. And that's why Judas was just, oh man, what just happened here? That's why Cleopas and all those on the road back to Emmaus, man, what just happened here? This death thing, this death thing really took us out. The death thing was our door to heaven. He had to die in our place. He had to shed his blood. He had to be destroyed so you and I could be salvaged. Amen? Praise God he didn't stay dead. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, it's foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. Hallelujah. Hey, please don't ever get tired of hearing about the blood of Jesus and the death, burial, and resurrection. Don't ever get tired of that. That is your salvation when you have placed your faith, your belief in that. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. That's God saying that. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of those who are prudent. That's wise again. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Yep. Science. Have you ever seen a science program? Have you ever seen those guys that, I mean, their productions are awesome when they make these little 30-minute things. Awesome. And they're so stupid. They're so ridiculous. God makes foolish all their wisdom, and it's not wise at all. Verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world is in wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God loves preaching the word. Not your cute little uh, orations and this and that. And don't come at them so direct. I had a guy tell me this week, dude, I wish my father and my wife understood you. When you, you preach too much direct truth for them to like it, for them to understand it. He says, but I get it and I love it. Keep on preaching that. And so we pray for him. He's alone, another one of us, alone, because they don't understand the Bible prophets. That's what I told him. If they had only read 10 to 20 chapters a day in the 17 books of the prophets over and over and over and over and over, they would love my preaching because we're preaching Christ and him crucified. And we're preaching holy living, just like Paul did here to Corinthians, to the people of Corinth. And that's why you don't like it, because you're one of the Corinthians yourself. You love this world. You love the things in this world. You love the wisdom of this world. Why, you, you love to read philosophy books and self-improvement books. And I'm telling you, those are of the devil, man. Every one of that. You're practicing your yoga to be in shape and to have a better meditative life. You are living the life and believing the doctrines of devils. People don't like that truth. People don't like the truth when we tell you that what you consider spiritual is satanic. Your Easter Sunday. It's satanic. If there's bunnies, it's not holy, it's not biblical. Show me in the Bible. You know what God said in the Bible about bunnies? Don't eat them. Because it chews its cud, but it doesn't have a cloven hoof. Don't you dare come near a bunny rabbit. It's an unclean thing to God. You remember all that? Continuing on. But please God, we're in the middle of 21. Please God by the foolishness of preaching to save those that'll, that'll believe, that'll believe, that'll believe, not that have been baptized and not those that have repented of all their sins because you'll never repent of all your sins. You need to be saved for about 40 years and look back and realize, you know, I still haven't repented of all my sins. I'm still a failure who needs Jesus to save him daily. 
and we're already saved, once saved, always saved, and he saves us in the physical realm, in our physical walk daily. Every time we trip in a mud hole, in a, in a manhole, we fall into this quicksand, he picks us up again and says, boy, that hurt, didn't it? And I say, yes, sir. He says, let's not do that again. I say, yes, sir, and we walk on. We find ourselves in another trap, another failure, another faltering, where I need Jesus at every minute of every day. He's my continual Savior, though I'm once saved, always saved. My spirit is saved, and I will be in heaven forever, and so will you. But we need him to look after us every day, and we need to follow him every day, and it's time for us wives to be submissive, is it not? Hey, husbands, isn't it better when your wife is submissive instead of a rebellious witch whore? Isn't it better? Why don't you be a submissive one and not a rebellious witch whore? Okay, verse 22, for the Jews require a sign, you know, baptism and things like that. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. If you could just speak to me in such a way where I can get it and I can be enlightened through the enlightenment of wisdom. Sophia, you guys know the name of that computer, the first AI computer, Sophia? Yeah, yeah. They're trusting in the wisdom of that. That's devil wisdom. Whenever you talk to Siri and the others, you're talking to demons. Hey, Satan, what color is Sartreuse? You're talking, you're asking the devil questions when you should be asking the Lord questions. What is prayer? Asking. What were you told to do? Pray to God always. Ask to God always. Pray without stopping. Don't pray to Siri. Pray means asking questions. Do not pray to Siri. And what's her name? Alexa. Do not pray to Alexa. Asking Alexa questions. We are to ask God continually, perpetually. But that's foolishness to, you know, Americans. They're smarter than that. It's our technology. It's our culture. I hear you, Corinth. I hear you. Verse 23. But we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified unto the Jews. It's a stumbling block. They hate it. And to the Greeks, this is so stupid. A dead guy. Uh, how can a dead guy scabbing up? In the heat of the day, his blood all over him, his back ripped apart. He's thirsty as he can be. His tongue is swollen. He's a miserable, dying, alone fool to them in their eyes. To the Jews, it's stumbling block. To the Greeks, this is foolishness, man. They believe he's a fool. But unto them which are called, both Jews and the Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Is he that to you? Is Jesus Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God? You don't need no external sources of power and wisdom. Just Jesus and Jesus alone. Verse 24, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God, and guys, there's no such thing as the foolishness of God. He's making a point here. Whatever you would consider to be foolish in God is far wiser than men. And there's no such thing as the weakness of God. But if there were, the weakness of God is stronger than the strongest man. Everything about God is powerful and wise. Quit trusting in the wisdom and the power of weak men. Even the strongest one of them is weak. Verse 26, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God always calls the unknowns. Before the Bible, before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mary was an absolute nobody. Zero. A nothing. A 14-year-old maid. Who, who lifts them up high and uh, you know, adores a 14-year-old babe? Nobody. But when Elizabeth walked in and said, Blessed art thou among women. 
Wow, we got that in the Gospels record. And we found out that she's awesome. We found out that an angel came and spoke to her and the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and the Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the living God himself was in her womb. We find all that out in the scriptures and people in Nazareth still didn't know any of that. God always chooses the non-noble, the non-popular, those folks who he can trust who are meek in their thoughts toward him. What is that? God, I just want to please you. Whatever you want is what I want. That's who God's looking for. And that's who God finds, and that's who God uses. Verse 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things that the world calls foolish. He chose those things to confound the wise in this world. And God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. Look at you. You're a nobody. Nobody knows you. Nobody cares. Nobody, people rarely think about you, and when they do, they still won't text or call. God thinks something else of you. God loves you working his works, his gifts in your life. He loves you blessing others. And he told you, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't go announce like the Pharisees, look, I'm about to give this amount in the offering plate. God says, I hate that. Do everything in secret. God says, that's how I found you in secret. Why don't you remain in secret? And you just do everything from your heart unto me. In quiet. And that which is done in quiet and in secret, I'll reward you openly at the judgment seat of Christ. That's who God chooses and that's what he wants. Verse 28. And the base things of this world, that means the low, 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 down by the baseboards. The base things of this world and the things which are despised, that's what God chooses. Yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Mary didn't exist in nobody's heart and eyes. Mary didn't exist down there at the hotel when she couldn't find room. Nobody gave her place. She was a nobody, 14-year-old. And her whole town thought she got knocked up away from God's blessings and truth. And the gossip was on. And he'll take the things that aren't and he will make them things that are to confound the mighty. Aren't you thankful for that? That's what he's done with Sean Mitchell. 21 likes, 25 likes. You had better become so familiar with this plain text. Unlike Corinth, Paul's telling him, you better become to understanding with these texts. First and Second Thessalonians, Galatians, and 1 Corinthians. And they lived the way they did. You got it all the way to Revelation and the Bible code, and you're living the way you are against God, just like the Corinthians? You've not made Jesus Lord of your life since he's become your Savior? You're a fool, man. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's not about Peter. It's about Jesus. And we don't glory in ourselves. We know who we are. We are decrepit, nasty little individuals who need Jesus to help us every day. I'm not above you in any way. I need Jesus. And so do you. That no flesh of glory in his presence. Check this out. Verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made us unto wisdom and righteousness. You write justification there. And sanctification. You write sanctification there. And unto redemption. And you write glorification there when he's redeemed us in the clouds. Hallelujah! 
Paul tells us about the three phases of salvation right there. Don't get it wrong, people. Don't think Matthew 24 and 25 is about you, saint. It's about the Jews who've been left behind in the rapture because they didn't trust in Jesus Christ in faith, the death, burial, and resurrection, so they may have the righteousness, sanctification, and redemption of Jesus all at the same time. That according as he, it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord of salvation. These guys weren't glorying in the Lord. They were glorying in their flesh. And he says, man, flesh will not be glorified in the presence of God. It's time to glorify the Lord as Lord saints. He can be your Savior and you'll go to heaven. And because he's your Savior, you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ infused in you. He sanctified you over here. Though you don't live in it, he still considers you sanctified one of his. And glorification is next, the rapture, the resurrection of the dead. Are you ready for that? That according as it has been written in the Bible... He that glorieth, let him glory in Jesus, who is Lord. Glory in him as Lord. Make him your Lord. First, he needs to be your Savior. Do you know with 100% certainty that you're going to heaven? Do you attend a pagan church that doesn't preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you attend a pagan church that says you got to repent on the front end of all your sins? you got to turn around from your sins to Jesus? That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus died for everybody and he's alleviated sin. Your issue is not a sin issue. It's a righteousness issue. Will you turn to Jesus and believe and allow his righteousness to be infused in you? He's already taken your sin. You believe it. He's already paid the price in full for you. And when you get saved, the price has still been paid, paid in full for you. And he will walk on with you till the end until the rapture, until your death. He's going to do that. Are you saved? Do you believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Let's pretend that you're saved for a second. Is he your Lord? He wasn't the Lord of the Corinthian church, and he's surely not the Lord of the American church, the Canadian church. They've all got, gone after Australian Lord. Hillsong, Redding, California Lord. Bethel, they've gone after all the false lords. Lord is Baal. They worship Baal, and they're worshiping Baal in churches, and they're worshiping Ishtar today and next Sunday in the American church and around the world who's been westernized by the Catholics. It's a Catholic thing, guys. It's a satanic thing. It's a Jesuit thing. It's a deception thing. Easter, why don't you come follow the Lord Jesus Christ? No flesh is going to glory in his presence. But praise be to God who saved us when you believe. Boy, there's wisdom. There's righteousness, there's sanctification, and there's redemption and glorification. Aren't you thankful for that? Make Jesus your Lord today. Last verse of 1 Corinthians 1 says that according as it is written, will you please understand what's been written by reading it? According to the Bible. According to the Bible. 10 to 20 chapters a day. If you will read that, Come to understand the Bible and submit yourselves to that. Jesus is then your Lord. Until then, he's not your Lord. You got to go with as it is written, according to as it is written. Don't just have a head knowledge. I know what that says. It's place yourself under the submission of what's been written. That's Jesus. He's the, the word made flesh. He that glorieth, let him glory only in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in the fact that your team won today or tonight or your favorite wrestler did it. They've given us wrestling 
to be so out there, so over the top and it's fakery that you don't know that all the sports and everything around you is fake too. They made them that fakery, those lies to look more serious and convincing. And they're still lies. Follow the truth, follow the word according to the word. Submit yourself to all that's done in the word according to the word. Make Jesus Lord of your life, guys. Get out of Corinth and get into the blessed kingdom of our living God where Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God bless you. We'll see you tonight, maybe.